If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com slash merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. As you heard at the top of the show, I'm kind of excited. We've got some merch happening now, and um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, but I have a new page on the website called Merchandise because I hope we'll add some other things, you know, as as things go on. But if you'd like to help out the show a little bit and buy a T-shirt, I, I actually originally just threw the logo of the show on there, but then I realized. Uh, my name is on it and you know if you know me i don't know it might be weird wearing my name on your chest so there's a version with my name and a version without my name and the hoodie doesn't have my name so um so if that's weird then you have both options or, or if you if you really like me that much then then that's there too so um so check it out and uh keep looking back because we're going to add stuff as we go um, my guest today is a dear friend We've known each other for many years and played hundreds of gigs together. She's a keyboard player, musical director, singer-songwriter, music producer, educator, chart writer for really big artists. If you've played enough in town, you've probably played charts with her name on it. And she's uh, most recently added video editing to her list of skills, um, as many of us are doing, but she's uh, getting really good at it. She's got two records on Spotify. One's called Love Potion, and the other is My Path, and a new single called Becoming. And as a keyboard player, she has performed and recorded with some incredible legends in the industry, like Shaka Khan, Tina Marie, Rick James, Pink, Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, Jeff Beck, Michael Bolton, just to name a few. And she also um, played at my wedding. She's awesome, and I really hope you dig my conversation with Noriko Oling. I've been watching these videos recently, mm -hmm. the, the Phil Collins tunes, especially like you and Chad, your husband, mm -hmm. my very first guest on the show. Right. We'll get to talk about that too. And Gussie Miller, who I don't know. And uh, Leland Sklar, who's like a huge hero of mine. Ah. So how did all of that happen? Yeah, okay. So this all happened when, you know, the lockdown came. And yeah. actually, I was busy, but uh, <laughs> uh, our friend Jay Gore, the guitar player, mm -hmm. he was bored to death. He just wanted to do something. So he... Asked both of us, 
me and my husband Chad, who is the drummer, uh, he wanted to do a, a cover song. And we didn't gotcha. know what cover song we we're going to do first. Mm-hmm. As we talked and discussed what song is good, we end, ended up uh, deciding to do Easy Lover, Phil mm-hmm. Collins' tune, which Chad is the biggest Phil Collins fan. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually, I never play that song, you know. <laughs> But anyway, so um, then Jay says, well, we need a singer who can sing both, both parts. So Jay and Gussie are friends, and actually I have done work with Gussie before. Gotcha. So we asked Gussie to sing lead vocals, and he, of course, was bored to death too, so he <laughs> said yes. And then Gussie knew Leland um, gotcha. through, you know, he's, you know, related to Marcus Miller and so you know mm-hmm. like he's he's like really well into this industry knowing a lot of people so he Leon was one of his friends he said That's well cool. can I ask him to play bass we were like yeah please <laughs> and then at that time he not, there weren't much happening for Lee so he said yes but Lee had nothing, no gear. N- he has never recorded his bass at home before. Wow. So did you know, I'm going to confess this, Easy Lover, he recorded on GarageBand. Wow. Yeah. But Gussie hooked him up with SSL, um, the, you know, the, with the company. So mm-hmm. he got the interface gotcha. you know, sent to him. And Wow. Well, that's kind of amazing, but GarageBand has come a long way, weirdly. You know? Actually, <laughs> hello, I'm teaching a class how to produce a pop song on GarageBand at uh, my college, the, awesome. where I teach. Mm-hmm. So, actually, I'm like been studying GarageBand. Oh, yeah. so am I right? It's it's not bad anymore. It's not. You it's, can do um, automation, mm-hmm. pitch correcting, wow. you know. Flex time. You could do a lot. I mean, if you have a good mic and a good interface, I mean, it's the same program. It's just, you know. Just like As long as the converters are good. Yeah. yeah. And it's free (laughs) on every computer. It's free. You know, it's so insane. Wow, we've come a long way. We have. Oh, man. And you do, you've done these videos. Well, first of all, you, did you edit the video? I didn't. Um. At the point of March, um, and then um, the church that I'm a music, musical director of, um, mm. they went to the virtual video service. Oh, my gosh, uh-huh. we, we need to have a music video for that. So I was forced into video editing, wow. and I was ed- editing on iMovie first mm. for maybe like two or three weeks, and then... It's just limited. Yeah. When you have 10 different videos, clips to, right. you know. So um, I use my educational discount from school, got <laughs> Adobe Creative Clouds um, oh, wow. account. Right. So then I started learning Adobe Premiere. Ooh, that's been a tri- uh, like, you know, the step by step by step learning new things every time i do it new song yeah yeah that's not an easy program right it's not an obvious thing you just pull up and go oh i'll make a video (laughs) no but that's a testament to you and just jumping in and being able to 
do stuff like that. Right. And you know, that's um, pretty easy lover. Oh, I'm so proud of my work <laughs> that so many people watched it. I'm so like happy about that, that even my mom <laughs> in Japan. Um, but that's just we were we paid such an honor to the actual original version and we tried to recreate as close as possible to that so and then the in the editing process i would use like slide or page push or little circle circling around the next thing and then my two sons who watching behind my shoulders no mom don't do that. That's not cool. <laughs> so they actually helped me to not to use some of the transitions that that make the video uncool. Oh, that's good. That's good. You got the youth in there. Yeah. Editing you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. And then the other song. Um, another Day in Paradise. Another Day in Paradise. What an interesting pick. Like I wouldn't have gone right to that song. There's so many Phil Collins songs, but uh, one of my favorite songs. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Phil Collins song uh, a fan as well. Yeah. In fact, last week or this week, the episode that came out yesterday, today's Wednesday. Okay. Whenever people are going to listen to this, I don't know, but uh, uh, has George Shelby. It was George Shelby. And oh. he just got off the road with Phil, you know. Oh. So we talked all about him on the last episode, too. So I guess this is two in a row about Phil Collins. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, great music. I, I, yeah. I love that song, too. It, it's very monotone. Like, it really doesn't have a lot of ups and downs. Right. But we try to give a little bit different colors to this one. Mm. Compared to Easy Lover, we we took a little bit more freedom on yeah. the production. And you're doing all this at your at the Temple Studio Complex, yes. which I know as your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, it's unique. I mean, I guess a lot of people have studios in their houses in LA, but your house is a studio. Like you've kind of turned your, like you walk in and it's, music everywhere which is kind of and is that is that you're doing or is that chad's doing i mean the first thing you see is a drum set when you walk in the door you know um is that is that you like that i love i love it but um our 13 year old son the other day just like a couple days ago he's like what if we just had a studio at another location? What would you put the, in this room? <laughs> Except instead of drums, like 20 d- drums and right. 30 cymbals. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I think it's 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 awesome. But you, and it must be cool to be able to just roll out of bed and make a recording. That's right. You know, everything's accessible. It's yeah. all hooked up all the time. And, you know, it makes it easier to get to work when you have to. Now, right. Yeah, now that we ha- we got green screen, white screen, and I got the gray backdrop, so just like lights, so like I just videotape myself for my own music video. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chad mentioned that the other day. I talked to him and that you're doing cameras now and <laughs> and the whole thing. And and you know, a lot of those videos are from your house too slash oh, yeah. studio. Yes. Yeah. Um, only thing I don't know if you notice on another day in paradise, if you really look at Chad's drum take mm-hmm. in the back, there are two wigs, <laughs> which 
I was doing Donna Summer tribute show, <laughs> and the girls, the the main singer, she's like, "I want you to look seventies. Can try these wigs." So I put them right there on the mantle, the top of the. Anyway, <laughs> I couldn't take those off of the video, so uh, they're uh, there. Your skills aren't kind there of yet. stupid. But. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Now we know what they are. So <laughs> you should put that in the notes and the you know in the description. <laughs> well, I didn't notice, but now I'm going to have to go look. <laughs> now I will notice. It's very funny, and I'll it's... never not see it again. <laughs> Unfortunately, then COVID is probably been pretty good for business In, yes the studio's been busy which yeah. is great yeah but and it's kind of great that you have that too since oh yeah i don't really know play. what i would have done without that yeah and were you gigging a lot before this because you, you've kind of been off the road for a minute and, and teaching as you were talking about yes i did find so much passion in teaching and yeah playing gospel music and mm. also creating my own music right. that's like lifting up people you know that's like my purpose so i found that out mm. so i um i still gig or i was gigging you know mm. but not like every weekend yeah so this hasn't been that much of a change for you right except your kid doesn't go to school now Right, then he gets tired of us being home, but then uh, we are like, but why are you here all the time? So The first time I ever heard you play, I mm -hmm. think, I'm pretty sure, was on a videotape that a guy named Mike B played for me. Oh, okay. And when I first came to town. Oh my gosh. Do you remember him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just a weird thing, because like, I came to town, I'm looking for anything I can get as a gig you know and i was struggling to like find something and then i i think i met him through uh musicians contact me too yeah yeah and uh he i went in and auditioned and they liked me and they're like oh here's a videotape of what we do and stuff and started talking about noriko and 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 uh it was like an outdoor show i don't know it's not important but anyways and it was just really weird and then like Probably within six months, I, I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about to go to China for three months. Wow. And I was like, man, I've just moved here. Now I'm going to go to China and leave my wife here. And 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 I was just like, oh, this is uh, he, he was a cool guy and everything. And it was really fun. Great music, big high energy band. Sounds like cool. But I'm like, I just moved to L.A. I want to be here to network and stuff. And then maybe a week before I was. I was like, okay, I'm in, and we're leaving in like two weeks. Uh, I uh, I got another gig, <laughs> that in-town gig. It, it didn't pay quite as much, but I'm like, oh, man, it'll keep me in town. And uh, So anyways, but did, you played with him. Did you play with him for a while? Yeah, at least uh, maybe a year, uh, or if, if not more. Um, we went to Philippines for three oh, months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but we did a lot of gigs up in Ventura. Gotcha. That's where they have followers. Mm -hmm. So Friday and Saturday and Sunday night, um, nine to one. Yeah. Ooh, those <laughs> were the days I paid pay my dues. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, Mike, he was really good with uh, clothing. Like he, I think he's like make outfit. You know, like he's you know. So 
he would get me all these like zebra print short skirt, like really short skirt. <laughs> and the the leopard, you know, I mean, different stuff mm-hmm. for me to wear on stage. I really enjoyed that part too. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the band was great. You know, it wasn't really about the music. I just was like, oh man, three months, you know. Right. But, uh, but you grew up obviously in Japan. Yes. And um, studied music there? Studied music there all the way from five years old. Wow. I never stopped. Mm. Yeah. Till I left Japan, I was 22. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did you, was that your choice or was that a, a parent's choice? That was, um, according to my mom, I was four years old. She, I brought um, a flyer about a music lesson from, from like preschool or some school that I was going to, after school program. I brought a flyer, asked my mom, can I go to this thing? And she said, you're, so, you're too little for this. Wait, let's wait a year. Mm-hmm. So same time the next year, following year, I brought the same flyer. And then I told my mom, okay, you said you could go in one year, so can I go? <laughs> um, she said I was so adamant about not missing lessons. So in a very rainy day or typhoon came, I would tell my mom, if you don't take me today, you're going to lose whatever, 1,000 yen, I, I would divide up <laughs> <laughs> the monthly tuition into right. a weekly fee. I don't know how I did that at like six years old, but wow. I did. And um, wow. But the, this, this class, I don't know how they did All I remember is we did a lot of solfege. We sang. Mm, right. And rhythm, like just the rhythm clapping, mm-hmm. um, just repeatedly and they trained me and before i knew it i i found out i had perfect pitch mm. like i was maybe like seven or eight wow um i don't know how they did that yeah so it was more of a general music class it wasn't or was it specifically it was like piano? a group mm. class gotcha. like a rhythm rhythm and let's sing kind of class at mm. first yeah wow yeah i kind of want to talk about perfect pitch actually is that is that helpful or does that bother you sometimes? Like, what is it like living? I've, you know, I've known, all of us know people that have it, but I've never really had the chance to pick apart that scenario. I've wondered, is that like, if you hear, well, back in the day, there would have been a cassette tape. And if it was a little slow and a little out of tune, does that drive you nuts? Um, out of tune things drive me nuts. Yes, I I. It irritates me. <laughs> uh, out of t- tune string players and oh, horn man. players. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yes. Yeah. I don't like the out of tune when they spit up, spit up the tape. So like, one of like Michael Jackson is even have a song like it's not in F minor, but it's not F sharp minor either. You know, right. it's in between. Exactly. Yeah. Like how, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, it bothers me, but you know. It, can't do anything about that but right um but you definitely notice because you even if you don't know a song you can you'll know what key it's in yes yeah yes but don't don't do the test right now okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i got the keyboard on <laughs> um so if the musician's working uh, on the riff 
like you know like it's just notes come to me mm-hmm. so i just visualize the notes in my head and then i could just play wow so that comes easy for me and that it helps me that way yeah and since you know you grew up reading music you can see it all on a page as well yeah see yeah, it. yeah. that's got to be an advantage in any situation and well, one thing, I I thought that was normal. Uh-huh. You know, in Japan, right. growing up, I, I was, my peers or people that are in my same group lesson, they could all do that. Mm-hmm. So for me to find wow. out that that's a special skill, wow, like I didn't know until I got here. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and that, you know, there was no way you were not going to be a musician. <laughs> like ge- you're genetically you know born to be a musician wow. that's too bad great <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at what point did you think i gotta go to the u.s mm, the going to the u.s thing oh that was my life was not going well mm. i was 21 years old i finished my college graduated and I became a teacher teaching electric organ Mm. but it's not from Yamaha at that point I was hired by Techniton so like that was made by National oh okay yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay so then I had a lot of students I had 40 maybe 50 students a week. I mean, this was, every student had 30 minute slot. And I still remember every Wednesday, three to nine, no break. Every 30 minute new student come. And um, what I did was I taught almost every day. And then on the weekend, I would go and play for wedding ceremony or wedding party. Mm -hmm. So... It's like now, but I had no day off, you know. (laughs) Just I've been workaholic, you know, all my life. But wedding, because I was a one-man band, it's not like I was playing Mm. with somebody. So I had my bass, right hand and left hand, the chord, and the right hand and the rhythm box. So then I would just play background music. I would accompany people with this like old Japanese folk song. They want to, whatever song they want to sing. I had tons of books. So I just pull out the song Mm -hmm. and then accompany them. It was depressing. Oh, yeah. Depressing. So, so then I got sick. So I, um, doctor said it was because of stress. So it was appendicitis and ovary infection happened at the same time on the same side, which was good because then they just pulled them, pull it out, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that made me think, what am I doing with my life? Is this, can I keep doing this and will I be okay? And Mm -hmm. then that, about a week after that, after I recovered from that surgery, my old piano teacher contacted me. She was coming to Kanazawa, where I was living, mm-hmm. to visit. And that's everything changed by mm-hmm. me seeing her again after years of not seeing her because she was my teacher when I was in fifth grade. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So then she was the one that had the connection with um, Steven Seagal. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, her, her boyfriend, cousin, taught Aikido at his dojo. Huh. And they knew this girl who was already actually in Japan studying tea ceremony and who offered her room to, you know, for me to mm -hmm. take her room. While wow. she was in Japan. Wow. So, like, this got arranged very quickly. Her room in, in L.A.? Yeah, in L.A. Wow. Yeah. So, her parents became my host parents. Huh. So, but, so, the time that I decided, I had six months until I moved. Mm. And I worked every night. I added, plus teaching three to nine o'clock from mm. nine to midnight i'm playing at the nightclub wow actually funny story my mom was a hostess <laughs> at that <laughs> nightclub well actually i got her the job after i got the job they were looking for more hostess and my mom didn't have work i'm like like you want an audition or interview yeah. <laughs> and she got the job she because she's only 19 years older than me and she, you know she's uh -huh. beautiful right but I was told never call her mom, of course, <laughs> at the nightclub. Wow. And I would be accompanying a businessman with like oily hair. Oh my gosh. And then there's my mom dancing, <laughs> really close, slow dancing. I'm playing, I'm playing. Mm -hmm. And we look at each other, we like make faces. <laughs> Nobody can, nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you are a true dive bar rock star. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, wow. Was America like in your sights before that? Did you think that that might be a place you wanted to go or it just was an opportunity and you jumped? Opportunity to jump. I hadn't, uh, I never thought of that. Wow. But my piano teacher, when she saw my situation where I'm, suffering from this stress and mm. the work not going anywhere, the big like wall in front of me. She said, what are you doing in Kanazawa? Wow. She didn't say go to Tokyo. She said go to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. So she arranged everything and I just had to save up like 10 grand in six mm. months. Mm -hmm. So I wow. worked hard, wow. saved up because my parents are like, we're done. So we're done with you. So we're not paying for this trip. So, right. so wow. then I left. That was a good move. Do you think? You look <laughs> yes. back and like, do you feel like you got lucky? Like, mm. Or that was just smart too? I mean, you saw that opportunity and just well, jumped. It's a little of both, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything in life, maybe. That's right. The, <laughs> it was the path for me, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh. Which is the name of your record. We'll get to that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got here, you went to the Grove. Didn't you go? You went to music school here as well, right? Yes. Uh, well, my English sucked. Okay. <laughs> so I worked a little bit and I went to adult school. Do you know what adult school is? I've like heard of it. English for Im like immigrants, right? Mm. So. Because I, I only had the, that much money for the whole time to stay. So I had to be like really, you know, I had to plan how to spend my money. Mm -hmm. So adult school tuition was 50 cents per year. <laughs> 50 cents. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank Jeez. you. So nine And this was just 10 years ago. 
And you know, at the end of the wedding, they say like, you raise your hand if you get opposed to this wedding or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the pastor said he wanted to raise his hand, but he didn't. I didn't know he liked me that way. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, he became my second husband. The first marriage mm -hmm. uh, didn't work out. Yes. But it brought you back here. But the second marriage brought me back here. So if it wasn't for that, I would have stayed in Japan, actually. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So that's another like turning point for me mm -hmm. that my second husband, Ken, coming to Japan to see me, then we got mm -hmm. together, we, you know, and then my, and I got a divorce and then um, I actually got pregnant. We had a mm. baby. We got married in Japan. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And then one year later, about one year later, after our baby was one year old, he became severely homesick, depressed, mm. wanting to come home. So that's gotcha. when, that was 93. So, yeah. Oh. I was wow. in Japan with for about four years. Yeah. Got you. So when you got back, what was, how did you get started being a musician? What was your first gig? Yes, musicians contact services. Ah. Thank God for yeah. for that. And I got a recording job with this Italian guy who wanted to record like opera type music. Oh, interesting. And he needed a accompanist, five songs. And um, anyway, he came... He came to rehearse. He came to my apartment to rehearse. Mm -hmm. And he was, let me tell you, he was so bad. <laughs> the next day, all of my neighbors came to ask me, what was that? <laughs> I was like, oh, but it's a job, you know, I got to right. do this. Yeah. So I went to the recording studio to, it was a nice recording studio in Hollywood. I was really excited. And he was, I was in the control room with my keyboard. This Italian guy was in the booth. Mm. I could see him, you know, across the room. And he got so excited and happy. Um, next thing I saw was he peed on the floor. <laughs> what? He peed on the floor in, in the room, in the vocal booth. Whoa. I mean, it was puddle of water. I mean, Whoa. I was like, just d do your job. You mm. know, I was telling myself, don't, it's okay. So the, the engineer, poor engineer had to go and clean up the mess. And we finished recording all the songs. And it was wow. time to get paid. He's like, how much did I say I was going to pay you? I'm oh. like, uh, $60. <laughs> <laughs> What did I do that for sixty dollars? <laughs> songs and the rehearsal. I didn't know anything. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> then he's. I said sixty dollars, and I looked at him like I'm not moving until you pay me. Right. So he takes off his shirt. I was like, Oh my God, what is he doing? <laughs> oh, there was no. a, a like a pouch. Attached Whoa. to his like big belly. Uh, That's where he got the money out. <laughs> uh, oh, people in the world want to hear this? Okay. 
Well, I would tell you I could, I could edit it out, but this is just too good. <laughs> I have to keep this. This is amazing. So I, that was my first job through musicians' content services. But musicians' content, it's not just jobs like that. They actually have good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, I mean, you said earlier you paid your dues, and you you, you thought you paid your dues in Japan. You, you didn't even... I mean, that's paying your dues. That's right. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. Well, cut to we met. <laughs> I don't even know how to get, get from there to here. But, okay, uh, let me get there a little <laughs> bit in a better way. So, Musicians Contact Services brought me to PYN, Pretty Young and Nasty Band, Mike B's band. Mike B, right, 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 right. right so right. then I got into the circle of black musicians and R&B, right. that's what led me into meeting you because, right. I, you know, got that's you. how we, I got into the circle that I met you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the next question. Where did all this R&B and jazz come from? Well, did R- you always, did you, like as a kid, were, were you big fans of, of R&B and jazz and st- stuff? Because it sounds like. You were doing all kinds of gigs, and then all of a sudden, you sort of found it. Um, well, I was never R&B person until I got here, So, mm. but I always loved jazz. Yeah, gotcha. Jazz. It, mm. My fifth grade, it was uh, Lee Rittenauer, French uh, Roast. That was my song. Got you. Yeah. Mm. So that said... Jazz was always my thing, but R&B wasn't. I didn't know what Brick House was <laughs> until I got here. And they were like, you don't know what Brick House is? <laughs> no, I, I will listen to it, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I learned all these songs years after years after years. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was a, probably a great first band to have for that kind of thing because they did all the the standards. Right. You know, the, actually, the band that I, I did instead of that, it was a husband and wife team. They weren't very good, but they had gigs, you know, and they didn't always pay well, but it was money. You know, and I just mm-hmm. moved here, like, as you know, it, it's tough. And the, um, but the reason I really wanted to do it is because they had, they had, they used um, mini discs. So they had tracks, like they were kind mm-hmm. of ahead of their time in that, and they used mini discs. So they had 12 songs per mini disc, and they had 12 sets of music and I looked at all those songs and I'm like this is all the songs that I've seen on all the set lists around town so if I take this gig it's going to force me to learn all this material mm. and then I'll be able to work you know because right. you know, I came from Denver where and I feel like each city sort of has its own vocabulary of songs that bands play so when I got here I was kind of behind it, Denver's more of like a hippie town and you know Grateful Dead stuff and, and I was playing a lot of blues and like even just the cover songs in a top 40 band were different than out here there was a lot of R&B all the disco stuff was happening when I got here right. so this is like all these songs that I needed to catch up on so I was like oh well this will force me to do it because now I have a job you know what right. I mean yeah. so, yeah. that, so that was probably pretty cool that you you know and, and jazz I think jazz also R&B and jazz are really related so really, if you yeah. if you had the, that in your you know in your head those melodies and that vocabulary it goes really well with r&b right right that's true that's true i just had to learn the songs right then i was able to catch up fast yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, eventually we met. I think I met you at Cafe Cordial one night, and uh, we hit it off, and you, you started calling me, and it was great. <laughs> and then we eventually ended up with Ollie Woodson, I think was our first sort of major gig. Um, right. Formerly of The Temptations. Um, he right. was in The Temptations in the 80s, I guess, kind of the mid-80s up to the 90s probably. But that was my first trip to Japan. Right. 2000. When was it? 2002? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I had been here like two years, not even a year and a half. <laughs> um, and that was great. So how did you run into Ollie? How did that gig happen? Okay. So after leaving PYN, I started subbing like f for different keyboard player around town. Um, that's when I met Daryl Crooks, mm -hmm. the guitar player who just gigging every day yeah. with different band, you know? Yeah. So then um, Daryl really liked my style, the, the way I played, and um, he started calling me for work. And so he was Ali Woodson's musical director at that point. Right. Yes. Well, now that I think about it, that's, that's why I met you, because I had met Daryl at uh, Stevie's. Mm -hmm. I went down to see Derek Edmondson, He's okay. the host the jam there. Ah. And Daryl, I'm not sure if he was even in the house band or if he was just sitting in, but we were all, you know, doing the sit-in stuff. And and he came up to me too and he was like, you know, you sound great. And then I went to Cafe Cordial to see Hit Squad. Right. And that's when I met you and Chad. Right. Um, so uh, Daryl, kind of a big, pretty important guy in your story. Important guy. And my story, for that matter. Yeah. And, and one of the most incredible guitar players ever. Right. But he also has a phrase that I've, ne I've never forgotten that I don't want all the chicken. I just want chicken all the time. <laughs> yes. And it was like, man. He still say that. He still say that. <laughs> but he just keeps on working. And yeah. it was uh, such a great um, person to meet, you know, early right. in, in my Los Angeles career. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, he... You know how like bird flies, you you kind of like put the bird in your hand and then kind of push to the sky. To me, like he did that to me. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Then then he says, you're the one that kept flying. I helped <laughs> you, but you kept flying, wow. which is nice. You know, we just have that mutual like, I guess, love and trust and yeah. yes. So, yeah, and he's still on some of your most recent videos. You're he still is working yeah. constantly. His Santa Claus beard and <laughs> I know. his Very upside funny. down glasses. I just ah, <laughs> uh, he doesn't want the marks on his nose, so he put them upside down. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I gotta get him on the show. It bothers me. Yeah, yeah you got you gotta get him on the show, and he yeah. wears same purple T-shirt every week i said please <laughs> this week can you change because he says it's called COVID. i i i said do you even shower <laughs> so that's what's going on with daryl but yeah. just the sweetest guy yeah he's he's an amazing dude and like i said like i don't know me and you and chad and him as a unit it was just from the second we started playing was just locked you know right. what i mean like and um, unfortunately, he didn't go to Japan. Art Zamora went on guitar. Right. Um, also a great player. Um, but 
anyways, but we did a lot of those Ollie gigs, and it was just so much fun. Because it started as a solo thing. Like, when we went to Japan, he we only did, like, two or three Temptation songs, and we right. were doing all of his solo material. Yes. And, uh, and at first it seemed really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first time I ever played with, with him, it was a Grammy party. Or like a pre-Grammy party. Yes. And I just showed up and he's like, okay, who's who's the new bass player, whatever. And then we get done with the show. I mean, he wouldn't really, I introduced to him, but he's, you know, working the room and, and doing his thing. And, and, and then at the end of the show, we're all in the hall and he comes back with his third outfit, by the way. Okay, he had his, he had all right. his, like, his pre-show outfit that he used to mingle. Then he had his show outfit. <laughs> and then he had an after-show <laughs> no, outfit. And he great. comes back. And, and uh, all of them stellar outfits. I you know. know. <laughs> and he literally grabbed me and kissed me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, we must have done well. <laughs> but, uh, but then we rehearsed for, if I remember, like probably three weeks, a couple times a week leading up to it and everything was great and it was like the first sound check he comes on stage and just lays into us all about all this stuff we're playing wrong and 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 it was my first introduction to like oh this is this is going to be a bit of a challenge <laughs> and I'm like dude we've been rehearsing you've been happy and like and, and your dad was there i remember and Ooh, oh yes. man he was so anyways he was he was a bit of a challenge was time to time, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it was always a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, you know, I, we toured like a Germany and mm-hmm. yeah, we had, you know, he pushed the drummer off the chair and stuff like that, the story. Yeah. 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 Oh. He would, he would like, um, just call, call the, <laughs> eventually we had a, uh, temptations act so mm-hmm. we had four other guys right and he would just call them out on stage and we would just we would just be in the back like oh don't yell at me <laughs> was, I, I always I, I came to enjoy the temptations thing better because there was someone else to yell at <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but but anyway he was a great guy but then we kind of went on to richard street and uh, those, so those guys, and Richard Street was not the original member of the Temptations, but came in like, well, Papa was Rolling Stone. Was He was on that record and won Grammys and stuff. Um, but they originally worked together, right? Yeah. I they, feel like I might have done one They knew each good. other. Um, yeah. And funny story, I asked Richard, I, do you have a Christmas album? Mm-hmm. And you know the Temptations Christmas album that's so famous. That's right. him in on that, right? Right. Yeah, he got mad. He got mad at me because I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so. he was much more easygoing. You know, right. still very that whole Temptations thing is very strict, very precise. That was mm-hmm. kind of what they were all known for, and it was the truth. You know, it was like oh, yeah. almost like being in the military. <laughs> but yeah. Richard was a little more laid back, you oh, yeah. know, and yeah. much more. You know, he would tell stories and uh, funny stories. Yeah. yeah, he reminded me of Red Fox. It's like being around Sanford and Son <laughs> the whole time. You know, he's really, really funny. I have to confess something. I I love books, but I I don't love reading. And it's it's been something that I've I've wrestled with since I was a kid. You know, I, I can read. I have read books, but they're very time consuming. And I've spent most of my time trying to build a music career, <laughs> which takes a lot of time. 
But one thing I definitely do a lot of is drive in LA traffic on my way to a gig. And there's a solution that combines those two situations, and that's called audible.com. Audible has thousands of audiobook titles, and you can listen offline anywhere, anytime. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. And they have just a ton of music-related titles, like All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald S. Passman, How Music Works by David Byrne, or Music Production Secrets by Calvin Carter. And you can get a free 30-day trial right now if you visit audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. That's audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road. Uh, or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast... All you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. Eventually, you also worked with Tina Marie and Rick James. For, but from working with Ali Woodson, I got Tina Marie's gig because uh-huh. somebody saw me. It's it was all word of mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how one job led to another job. Right. Then Tina Marie's job led to like Gladys Knight, and right. later, you know, mm-hmm. it's people like saw me with Tina and then talk about me. Yeah. Yeah. And how was it working with Tina? Um, you know, I it was fine. You know, uh, they were very like all the musicians play by ear. Mm-hmm. So when I got the show recording, there were so many hits, accents right. and riffs, and of course there's no sheet music to right. to it. Um, everyone just memorized everything, and so I I think they were not expecting me to nail everything at the first rehearsal. But of course I'm like I wrote every little thing. Right. The, out and I made my own book with all Tina's songs with the live arrangement. I showed up and I played every single thing, and they were like, "Okay, all right. Well, I guess we don't need to rehearse tomorrow." <laughs> so, um, but, but Tina just—I was amazed of her energy on stage and just just her songwriting and yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, songs pro- produced well, the parts, because I had to learn the parts on the record, and right. I enjoyed playing them. And, mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually you got Chad on that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, we get off the plane from the tour. We c- go to baggage claim. There's mm-hmm. a guy waiting for me, and Tina's, okay, that's, uh, oh, yeah, 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 he's, you know, my, I think at that time he was my fiancé, mm-hmm. and, okay, what does he do? Yeah, play drums. You know, that's where, how it started. Right. And then I think that the, they didn't have a drummer, the drummer um, got sick or something and couldn't rehearse, Chad mm-hmm. filled in or something, and that was, that was it. Yeah. She fell in love. So. <laughs> yeah, and he, he eventually became musical director and stuff. He did, right? yeah. yeah. And then Rick James came in to play. You know, he yes for the last. You played on his last few tours. Yep. 
the mm-hmm. reunion tour that was amazing yeah, yeah amazing the, just rick showing me all the parts i mean he remembered the parts he would wow. show me on the keyboard this, this is the string line i played so i would like at that time did i have iphone i'm i would like mm, either not. like i'm writing out real time as he's playing the mm. part Because right. I don't remember videotaping him and voice memoing, you know? I doubt it, yeah. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Wow. So then um, he was funny, he was fun, and um, he taught me a lot. So, But he never called me by the right name, it's <laughs> fine. One day it was Yuko and Kumiko, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did he come ready to work i mean he's kind of legendary for being yeah he knew his own stuff of course he yeah. knew his own stuff sad thing is you know because he, he, we had to bring the key down oh right because his higher register was you know it's hard you know mm-hmm. so but sometimes when you change the key on the song it just lose the brightness of it you yeah, know for sure. the color mm-hmm. you know but yeah we made it work yeah mm-hmm. I hate to be dark, but so Ollie's passed passed away, and all these people <laughs> are I gone know, now. You know, it's so it's, uh, it's so so crazy. You know, uh, to me, like they they went too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tina Marie, that was a shocker. She was my age, like fifty four, fifty five. When yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Russia when Richard died, and I was out there for like five weeks, and you know couldn't make a funeral right. but that one that one hit me pretty hard i, I yeah. still miss playing with him you know the yeah. temptations book anyways is so much fun and we did a lot of gigs with him and uh we recorded and then at some point he couldn't afford to take a band all the time and we recorded the tracks that he used you know live and right. we were pretty invested in that gig yep we were good yeah. times um and you also played with shaka khan in that time as well. Shaka Khan, first gig with Shaka was 2001. Oh, wow. And I had to go in with no rehearsal. I mean, just that they sent me the live recording. Mm-hmm. So I just had to go in, be ready to play. Yeah, that was wow. nerve-wracking. And yeah. it still happens. I was with her Saturday, this past Saturday, mm-hmm. with Shaka. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. She's doing a live streaming special concert that's mm-hmm. coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, cool. So we rehearsed whole week. Wow. And she showed up only on the last day because we were we recorded our rehearsal, you know, recording just a band mm-hmm. every day. As mm-hmm. we progressed, got better, we tightened up things. So she would get the recording. So she was like, oh, okay, I know what they're doing. She showed up for a couple hours at the very end, and mm-hmm. she just sang down all the seven songs. You uh-huh. guys sound good. And she laughed. <laughs> But still, when I'm with her in that re- rehearsal room, I'm like, am I with Shaka Khan? Yeah. Like, is that? Really? Like, right. I don't know, like, what she makes me feel like. So just excited and like, this must be a dream kind of feeling. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So yeah. is she easy to work with? Is she... Yeah. Down to yeah. earth and, you know, 
That's great. Um, is she yeah. picky about the parts and stuff? Is she involved no, in the she, music? No, she really let the musical director, who is uh, Melvin Lee Davis, mm. she lets him handle it, which means Melvin says, well, I only hire people who knows what they're doing. And he yeah. said, I trust you to create parts. If there is no parts in the re- original recording, you just create your own thing. Right. So that's what I did on these uh, songs, like three or four of them. It was um, her old songs where there was only guitar, drums, and bass hmm. on the track. Right. So I created, I add like organ, you know, whatever mm-hmm. song I think that this c- can add more. So right. then Mel, Mel said, great. So there was no like... Um, uh, he didn't say like don't do this or don't do that and Shaka nothing she's like sound great wow that's great that's interesting you bring that up because that's one of the things that I love the most about working with you and Chad and um, kind of everybody in that circle is that and and you've just explained too like we all sort of we do our homework right we show up prepared you know and, and that's surprisingly not everybody in town does that (laughs) on the level that I think we do it. You know Mm, what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I want to show up to the rehearsal ready to go for a show. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it was so nice to meet you guys with all that same philosophy because what you can accomplish is so great when you have everybody on the same page and everyone's showing up and like you chart everything out, you know, and uh, it's, it's a really where do you think that came from for you? Um, well, really, that's already was there. Even when I was a little girl, like I would show up to my piano lesson or something. I would be prepared, you mm. know. So that's just the mindset that I had. Yeah. I guess very Japanese, maybe Asian. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, and maybe music school in general because yeah. you studied musician. Because it's definitely something I had to kind of pick up, you know, oh. on, along the way. Somebody was like, well, it was Nelson Rangel. I used to play with a sax player, Nelson Rangel. Right. And, um, one time we backed up Chuck Loeb. Right? Yeah, I remember that yeah. you... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, like... Uh, maybe two years ago now. And uh, I just remember Nelson talking about like, we're going to go in and we're going to nail this thing, you know, and like do your homework. And and I was never like not prepared, but there's a difference between, yeah, I kind of listen to the tunes. I pretty much know what it is. And and being ready to do a show. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. I th- that, would, that didn't come as natural to me, but now I, I couldn't... <laughs> If I'm on my way to the gig and I don't know a song, I don't care what the gig is. I'm freaking out, you know, like. Of course, <laughs> right. Yeah. But then like Ali Woodson, who would throw a new song. Yeah. Oh, like man. maybe 45 minutes before the showtime. And I still remember like I had to chart out a song and then go find the copy machine, you know. And yeah. then, okay, this is this is the drum groove. This is the bass groove. Let's do it, you know. Yeah. We, oh man, you got well. My very last gig with Ollie was at Stevie's, which is no longer uh, there. It was a club in Reseda, and we were all playing. And 
there was a lot of things about that gig that was just tough. You know what I mean? And it was really fun. Like, like right. you guys made it and the music itself made it so worth it. But there was a lot to deal with. You know, I think at that, that night I they had charged my my wife at the time 25 bucks, the $25 cover to get in to see us. Right. So I was already like, dude. I'm not doing this anymore, you know? Right. And, um, but he called some song that I'd never heard, some older, you know, and I'm a white guy for people that don't know me. I didn't grow up in this, you know, like you didn't. Uh, so he called something old from the sixties and, and Daryl knew it. So Daryl starts playing the bass line and I start, Oh, okay. And I'm just watching Daryl and we're going and it's grooving. It's funky. It's great. And Ollie comes back, takes my bass off of me right. and starts playing the bass. And goes up to the front with it, and I was just stand, left standing there, you know, looking like an idiot. And I was just like, ah, oh, man. And I just remember when he came back and he put it back, he kind of smiled a little, like, like he knew that. I think I don't think I was playing it wrong, which is the way I took it. But after he kind of smiled, I was like, I think he just wanted to show off that he could play the bass. Right. You know what I mean? And so I sort of was like, okay, you know. And it it just didn't. I don't know that I necessarily quit the gig after that, but it just worked out that I. I wasn't available for stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't like this big dramatic thing, but at the time I was just like, oh no, you didn't, you know, like, but that's just the kind of stuff he would do. But that there was, a time he called some song on stage, like, and we just vamped right into it. And luckily Daryl knew it and I was like, okay, but anyways, yeah. So no matter yeah. how, so it's, your point is no matter how prepared you are sometimes, <laughs> but like stuff like that I think like I've been trained I can learn a song in two minutes if yeah. I have to right there there were case I was an audition pianist for this theater okay so people show up I had to play for like 40 people in mm. one day like they show up show up show up they all bring the sheep music because right. it's for musical theater thing but this one guy he said, I couldn't find the sheet music to the song that I want to sing. <laughs> so I said, okay, can I hear it? So I wrote down the whole verse, chorus, pre-chorus, change, and then learned the groove in maybe like two, three minutes. And then, okay, we could do it. And everyone looked at me like, oh, <laughs> you know, but these things, right. it's just like, yeah, yeah I can just handle yeah situation yeah because you're badass okay well <laughs> you said it <laughs> um you also played with pink like really early on pink, yes, in her career when, when she her first album the babyface production mm -hmm. yes we did a tv show in florida and all girl band oh Yes. And did you have to audition for that, or how did that no, one? No bass player who put the band together ah. knew me, and she wanted me to do it. So, um, yeah. Wow. So that was uh, that was fun. That was fun. Cat Dyson played oh. guitar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I forgot the drummer was from Philly, so it was she wasn't from LA. But uh, Gail Johnson played keyboard. Oh, yeah. Robin Roundtree, the bass player, oh, who yeah, got yeah. me the gig. Gotcha. Who I'm forever grateful. Right. Not just got me the gig, but she introduced me to Chad. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Did it feel like she was Pink was going to be one of the biggest stars of her generation at the time that mm. you were playing with her? I was very impressed with her ability to sing. Yeah. And the soulfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just be able to belt high note, but her phrasing, the soulfulness. And, but I was astonished to see her going, becoming rock oh, singer, like going different direction. Because mm-hmm. I thought she was going to just stick to the R&B, more R&B right. thing. Yeah. Especially if you have Babyface producing your stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, she obviously did pretty she's, well with the with the rock did thing so too. Well. Yeah. And she's an interesting, even today, like an interesting combination of that rock and R and B. I don't think she ever really fully left the R and B. She just sort of introduced the rock to it. You know? To it, I see. Yeah, cool. you can look at it that way. You've also played. You mentioned Gladys Knight, um, Aretha Franklin, and you've had this career that's you've played with all these amazing women. And you even had an all-girl band for a while on Gaza. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like you've always been really supportive of women. Has it been hard as a woman? Mm. In, the, in the van ride, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh, what guys want to talk about. I've, I just put the earplugs. <laughs> I don't want to listen. But anyway, that's... Not joke. That's that's the truth. But <laughs> but um, as a woman, I had a hard time sometimes when I'm a musical director, and then the male musicians don't want to take my you know lead. They they right. just don't want to listen or can't give me what I really need from them. So mm-hmm. not all of them, just right. some cases. Yeah. Right. And do you prefer working for a female artist versus a, a male artist? Or is there, oh, no, it no, no. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've been in this business a while, you know, and back before Me Too. And, and you know, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting... And even just putting on this podcast, like, just, you know, there's more and more women now in music, but it's still mostly dudes. You know what I mean? And, right. And, yeah. like, uh, it's... Uh, do you do you think it's getting better? I mean, like I said, it's I had a situation where like I had to room with a, a guy. Oh wow! Who was forced into it, and that's not cool. <laughs> and he was called at three a.m. He woke me up because he was cold. But anyway. <laughs> oh man! Yes, I had to deal with stuff like that, and. Um, but yeah, I kept my integrity and just kind of just stayed strong through it. And I think we we could do it. Yeah. 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 You also worked for another pretty strong woman and like, well, actually, why don't we talk first about the, we were, there was a band called Clockwork. Friends of ours, Gary Patrick, mm-hmm. Kim Wimmer, Gene Siegel, Chad was in it, and Jimmy Keegan, and you played sometimes. And, yes. And we had this great gig in Vegas. At least I thought it was great. I don't think you liked Vegas so much. Well, um, I did enjoy the gig very much, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, it was good The music and... was good. Yeah, great voices, great harmony. Yeah. Everyone could sing. There are great solo singers, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. But the one that was harmony, it sounded like a record. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that gig. Um, but, but the event, eventually they were like, you got to move to Vegas. Cause they were putting us up, you know, at, at the, where were we? Mirage. At the Mirage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, every, probably three weeks out of the month if we wanted to. I mean, I would sub out, Chad would sub out, you would sub out. And, um, but, uh, Eventually, they were like, we're not putting you up anymore. You got to move to Vegas if you want to keep the gig. And me and Chad at that point were like, mm, nah, I'm not ready to move to Vegas. Not knowing what the heck was going to happen. Right. And then along comes Billy Miles and uh, saves the day. Right. <laughs> you know, for me anyway. Yes. Because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to go back to LA and we're going to figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that became the next year was mostly playing with her and right. Keiko Matsu. I was playing with Keiko at the time as right. well, but, but, um, and, and that's, uh, so how did that, how did you meet Billy? She, she was a, uh, what would you call it? It was basically R and B, but it was kind of had this trip hop thing to it. it yeah. Very It was a pretty unique. cool record. Yeah. And she had a really Billie Holiday sort of voice, very unique voice. Yeah, unique voice. Kind of you love it or you don't, you know. The raspy kind of, yeah. yeah. So how did you meet her? You know, I I know I met her through a friend of mine, but then now I, if I think about it, I just can't remember. But I, I had already known her for a while at that point. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she was really young when I met her. Gotcha. She was in her maybe very early 20s or maybe... Yeah. yeah. And you're the musical director on that, and that was amazing. They trusted me on, um, oh, yeah, NyQuil. NyQuil, I'm sure NyQuil. Oh, NyQuil knew Andre and Keith. Got you. The Billy's producers. And I think that's where. Got you. NyQuil's another singer that we. I played some a lot of gigs with. I don't know about a lot, but she wouldn't play all that often, but. Right. Another yeah, gig that we all... She used to do some gigs, but... Yeah. She's yeah. from Colorado as well. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> from a rival high school of mine. So oh. I don't know if I want to talk, to, talk oh. about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Because that's also the, the only gig that I've ever had the honor of being fired from. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I fired him. I mean, I fired you. <laughs> Not just you, but my husband and my brother-in-law. Yeah, yes. we were fired for about an hour and a half, um, I think. Well. Until I got a nice phone call from the manager. <laughs> yeah, you just, you complain too much, you know. <laughs> well, I just remember us getting this huge fight in the van over, like, we didn't really finish the sound check, and uh, they were always about just open the doors on time. And I was like, you know, you can push the doors a little bit if you have to. And that's kind of all it started, and it just turned into this huge, I think it was like, towards the end of a, a long run of, of grumpy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. At that point, maybe we had been touring for a couple weeks, or I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your records, because um, I listened to Love Potion today. As a, I, I had to listen to it twice, even. I haven't heard it for so many years, and oh. we've played some of those records, and I mean, we, some of those songs we've played right. you know and like oh man it just brought back so many memories oh yeah such a great record um where did you record that uh um my friend actually billy's producer at that time jeev uh -huh. um his name is jeev he's a hmm. guitar player but producing mm -hmm. and it 
trying to remember Jeeves' last name, but he's still producing and doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I also like worked on Cubase with Jeeves. And he was just, he's genius, you know? So he, great, great at mixing, but on Dominoes, this is the first song on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, as as we were listening to the song, he would do like, like he's like doing with his voice some like feels. Oh, interesting. So that's what we call the vocal sax, and he's on the record. <laughs> yeah, and uh. yeah, just great ideas and. And he produced produced it. No, I actually you... got all the songs recorded elsewhere, oh. and then brought him the track. Got you. And then he just kind of, he recorded me at his studio, though. Got you. Yeah. It's falling down like dominoes Falling to the ground It's falling down like dominoes And did you write all the, the lyrics? Billy Miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Four songs, I think, she wrote. Uh, yeah. yeah. She helped me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics, there's a couple of tunes that are just really clever. Mm, good. So yeah. do you still like tequila? I still like tequila. I mean, not the drink, but <laughs> the, I like the song. Yes. Yeah. That's a pretty. That's a super clever. But I did lyric. drink tequila uh-huh. in, when, when I was in Philippines with Pyn, uh-huh. and I got drunk. Everything turned orange. So that's where the song came from. Got you. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. And who were some of your influences then? It's a very jazzy. It's kind of smooth jazz, but it's. Oh yeah, I listened to, of course, Shade and Basha. Oh yeah. I listened to, I mean, all the jazz records I listened to, too, but also Anita Baker, you know, mm-hmm. some R&B. But I knew, like, I couldn't be her, so I had to find the right range for the song, for the my voice. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you sing the whole record, except for one. Is that right? One song, was, yep. I was just scatting. Right. But then the one song was in Japanese. Yes, Which people right. love that song. Yeah, that's super cool. Just, yeah, I had I didn't imagine, but I, I like it. I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, your most recent record is called My Path. Yeah, 17 years later. What? Why? I asked myself. Yeah. It took me that long to find actually who I am, I guess. I, I don't know. It's I've written many songs in between. Nothing got, nothing got released. Right. Yes. Yeah, I remember playing on 
a couple. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Well, I mean, sometimes that's just what it takes. Right. Yeah. You know? And this record, you don't sing anything. You maybe sing some backups. I sung backups, yeah. yeah. And I just I thought, wrote I, could, I, thought I could hear you back there. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, after Love Potion, I had the very kind of discouraging, you know, comments from people, my accent. Mm. Um, I will never make it in America mm. with my accent. Um, and, I, you know, I could hear it. You know, I, I, when I hear myself sing, although some people like my voice, the way that I approach things and those songs are really nicely written for my voice, but the songs on my path, the new album, mm -hmm. really are not written for my voice. They right. were written more specifically to soulful, I guess, black voice. Mm -hmm. Some songs are targeted more simpler maybe i don't want to distinguish by color right but like if you compare you know tasha cobbs and and then hill songs united i mean it's clearly it's a different tone and approach in their music right. that i wanted both world in my album so mm -hmm. i would pick a singer who could sing that particular style that i had right well it yeah. sounds great I mean, you picked all good singers. That's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did it take you to write all that stuff? And um, So first song I wrote from that CD was called Forgiveness Song. Mm -hmm. And I was studying this book called Path to Wealth. And it's not really just money, but the wealth to be wealthy with health too like you know it's like to mm, be wealthy mm. is not just being rich right? right so then in the back of the book there was a forgiveness prayer that if there is someone in the present or past that i need to forgive mm. I, now i do so and so the prayer was in the back of the page and i was supposed to say that prayer every night at bedtime Mm -hmm. This was part of the workshop. Right. So I'm like, okay, I want to be good about this. <laughs> so then I was saying it, saying it, night after night. And then one day, like, if there's someone, like the melody came. Nice. I'm like, oh, what if this was a song? Then it's easier to just say it, you know, right. than just, you know. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, I wrote that song first. And May McCarthy, who wrote that book, came to my church to to do a workshop. Mm -hmm. And I presented the song. She's, she's just bawling with tears wow. because she had no idea mm. I was going to present that song yeah. with her prayer. The same words. Wow. I took her words and I made it into a song. So after that, that book inspired me so much that I wanted to write more positive music. Mm. So that's how my path started from Forgiveness Song. And then it took about a year. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So it's a truly inspired record. Yes. And I thank, thank May McCarthy every day because if it wasn't for her book, mm. with, without that prayer, then there's no my path. So. And it's, uh, it's a contemporary jazzy Christian record. Right. It's definitely a church record, which is different from your other records, too. Yes. 
So has Christianity always been a part of your your life? Is no. that grown? I just got baptized. Um, oh, that was uh, February of 2018. Oh, got you. Yeah. Right. But this was spiritual baptism. So mm-hmm. where I got baptized, there's no water. I didn't dunk my body in the water. Right. This is more spiritual baptism. So where the ceremony, everyone in the church made a big circle. And I was in the middle of the circle, which like I still don't um forget like that Mm -hmm. moment of how I felt Mm -hmm. so I wrote a song which is gonna be on my path two album nice called new beginning and it's never too late to begin again that's what the song is about because I felt like I I begun that Mm -hmm. day now in a kind of a new way and it's not like it's more universe higher being that you know Mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Right. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. What you see is what you oh, get. Yeah. It all starts in your mind. The past is gone and left behind. What you see is what you get. No more future tripping. This is a moment we are living. We've done a lot of church gigs together as well. Oh, yeah. You know, I dragged you into it. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, I've done them my whole life. Okay. You know, because All right. especially if you like R&B and gospel, there's just no better place to do it. That's right. And then at church. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and it's, it's an interesting also, I mean, this podcast is kind of about the working musician and church gigs are another super i don't want to say super lucrative they're not they don't always pay that well but it's another way of making money as well as oh yes you know and and it's interesting because i'm not necessarily a christian but i do enjoy playing a church gig you know what i mean and and uh you're saying that you're just now sort of coming to christianity so being sort of a non-christian and playing those church gigs do do you think that's appropriate do you think that's i always feel a little weird about it how about that knowing that you know, but they're paying me money, and I'm making their church sound great. You know, and and uh, uh, but, uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? I wouldn't really worry about it. Like mm-hmm. how I was, it was just a paycheck at first, right? And then they actually transformed me. Mm-hmm. You know, to better me, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So um, that could happen too. So I, I would just let the job come. Jobs come. And do it well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that's all what it is, then that's, that's God won't be mad. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of the only drag is that it's early in the morning for me. That's not mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. But um, it's it's so much better than playing a nightclub too, you know. And sometimes it pays more, right? You know. And we've done some pretty in L in L A. There's like phenomenal musicians right. it's really a fun yes. gig you know i've learned so much especially when i'm in a situation like faithful central bible church where i'm the ox keyboard player and mm-hmm. i get to hear all these world-class gospel players playing 
looking at each other, giving hand signal where they're going next. Right. And, oh, that signal means going there. Okay. Like, I, yeah. you know, I had to come a long way to know where they're going and just follow, be able to follow. So um, that taught, that trained me very well. Yeah. As a musician, too. Right. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of times, well, in LA, I think it's mostly charts and stuff, but a lot of times it's not. No. A lot of times people just know those songs from right. church. Right. You know, and there's a whole other vocabulary. Right. That you have to have. Yeah. And uh, see those guys do it It's and be a part of it. It's so amazing. I remember the first time I played uh, a black church in, in Denver, um, I, I was I just had this weird moment because anytime I had gone to church as a kid, it was be quiet, listen, clap once in a while. Sometimes don't clap, you know. <laughs> and I remember the first time just standing on stage playing the funkiest groove I'd ever played. Right, loud, so loud, you know, and just being like, I'm in church right now. <laughs> this is incredible, <laughs> you know. It's just some of the best music. Right. And, uh, oh man. Oh, music is best. Yeah, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that you've you've found your thing. Yes, I have. And yeah. The record, like I said, it sounds great. The songs are awesome. And uh even the the other ones 17 years ago, but the nice thing is now there's Spotify and everything's out forever. So people should still go and listen to it and, and get you some spins and right. you know, you'll get your your point oh oh two cents on 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 your bmi oh two cents <laughs> yes and you know love potion when i was i don't want to say i was a bad girl but you know i had <laughs> my you know i was like 33 when love potion came out i was yeah. the peak of my womanhood okay <laughs> i mean yeah look at the cover okay <laughs> so anyway and uh, my path is more like i'm a mom i'm a wife i'm you know more yeah. established and as an artist found my purpose it's just a different matur maturity and different uh, i guess message so right it's very contrasting to me yeah and you had a new single too Be becoming oh yeah becoming oh that's yes. a great that's really beautiful oh thank you thank yeah. you and um Jade Moya, the the, the featured uh, singer on Becoming, mm -hmm. I met her through my school. She oh, she's gotcha. my former student. Gotcha. You know that's why I told Jade. I said I didn't. Okay, I had one point where I could have gotten Beyonce's gig. Okay, I auditioned. Mm -hmm. I knew the musical director, but I was pregnant with my second son. And mm -hmm. ended up didn't want to burn bridges to get to New York to for the callback. Anyway, so I gave up that opportunity, and I had my baby. I gave up more gigs, more tour gigs because of raising, you know, my son. And mm -hmm. I told Jade, I said it was all that all happened because so I can meet you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So Jade came to my life, and she. All I had was becoming da -da -da, da -da, like some like lines, and mm -hmm. then she took it, and that's what it became. So wow, well, it's beautiful. I listened to that one a few times. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Other thing that you do to make money in this town is you're like the biggest chart writer for everybody. Right, um, <laughs> writing charts, mixed emotions about that. Now that um, they found out, they took my X-ray, and I have a, a cricket, a cricket spine, oh. and lots of that also coming from playing piano and being tense on my shoulder and look. Neck being forward, mm-hmm. but a lot of that also come from using mouse and being at the computer. Wow! And charts job intense. I just want to tell you how intense it is to transcribe music, like one bar at a time. Listen, write it down. Mm-hmm. Listen and write it down. Listen again. Listen again. Listen again. If I can't hear it, slow it down. Change the octave because the bass is too low. I can't hear the bass line. Okay, bring it octave up. Listen again. Write it down. So in that process, the brain power that's used in the process is mm. just tremendous power wow. and um, tiring. And, you know, the, so it's a very special skill. And this is what my mom said a couple of <laughs> days ago. You just need to charge more for your time. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Mom, mom, mom. She's always getting mad at how I conduct my business. But okay, you can cut this part. Oh, no, she won't understand because she doesn't understand English. Perfect. But <laughs> So, but that said, people underestimate Charles' job and... Uh, they always try to kind of cut corner, like to pay less than what really it's worth. Mm-hmm. So I've been really having a hard time, like how I can make this part of my business grow. But just to give you the idea of how much charts job I've done so many for, especially smooth jazz artists. Mm-hmm. So when my husband went to Texas huh? to play a gig, there were musicians from Texas that were hired just for, you know, keyboard player, guitar player. And then mm-hmm. the artist only took my husband to play drums. Right. So they're in a the van going to a gig and they're like, oh, yeah, this, this guy in Noriko, he, he does really good charts, you know. We, <laughs> we, we like his charts. And then my husband's like, Noriko? <laughs> That's my wife. So like stuff like that happens. Um, yeah. So I have built a reputation of like good Noriko's charts, no train wreck. Right. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, 
maybe I should just teach how to write charts to people because it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah. do a Zoom yeah. class so that yeah. everyone can pay a little bit money, like ten, fifteen dollars mm-hmm. for like an hour Zoom class. Yeah. You know? Well, I wish you would, because it's definitely something that drives me nuts. You know, like it does? your charts, awesome. I think we come from the same ideas of what I mean to me it's like writing a chart should be easy to, as as possible to communicate the music. Right. You know? And like, there's just simple things you can do to make a chart easier to read. I, you know, I'm not, can't think of anything off the top of my head, but just, well, just something like, you know, don't put a repeat that goes back three pages, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? Especially with iPad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but uh, so I just think that there's a lot of people that get into chart writing and they're, they want to be seen as smart about it versus keep it simple. You know, right. Keep it as is it should only be as hard to read as it has to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't make it harder, you know. So I've always enjoyed your charts. Oh, thank you. So I think the world would be given a great service if you would teach them how to write charts. Okay. So one one a uh, tip. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna ever use DS, mm-hmm. um I try not to, but right. Only I only use DS if DS is going back to the same page, Got like you. top of that same page. Mm-hmm. Then I use it because just to right. eliminate more paper. Right. But then again, who uses paper now? So yeah, and well, has your style changed since now? There's an iPad. Yes, I I really like try to be iPad friendly chart, mm. which I have to think about first ending coming, and. And if first then in going to the second page, then you got to go back for going back to the page before. No, right. you can't do that. Yeah. Then don't use first ending. Just write just, it just out. Just keep going. Right. Mm-hmm. So No repeats anymore. Right. Repeats no repeats. Or, or, uh, or, or I don't obsolete. do it like repeat three times. No, sometimes people forget to count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Sometimes like repeat 12 times. And, what? <laughs> you got to be kidding. No. Okay. Right. This is lazy chart writing. Right. Which is another thing that drives me nuts too. Like don't put, you know, if you are using a first and second ending, make sure that when you repeat, it's the same thing. Right. You know, right. Like, or if it's d- different, if there's a stop on the first bar, maybe that's not such a big deal. You can write it second time, but I don't want to have to read words. <sighs> yes. Just cut and paste. Just right. write the second verse paste. out. Cut you know? and paste. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly laziness that makes a bad chart. Wouldn't you right. Say? And I understand some people want to try to make it fit in two pages. Yes, for sure. And I always but, try to do that. But then two pages then with a train wreck or... Four pages and no train wreck right. and smooth. Yeah, exactly. Rehearsal time cut in half. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And you kind of said it earlier, but when you start to, you get a new gig, the first thing you do is you just chart it out. If they don't already have charts. Like if somebody says, here's my CD, we're, you know, we're doing a show in two weeks. Yes, I chart it out. You but it depends. Okay. If I'm charting out for everyone in the band and if it's a paid situation, mm-hmm. then I write down the bass part i'd write down or if i'm a musical director then i'd write down other people's part in Mm -hmm. in my chart but if it's just for me then it would be just a chart for me that my part is written yeah yeah so it's simpler and yeah right 
But you would you ever just memorize a show? Not before I going in, but by doing it, I just know yeah. it after a while. But but usually, it would be, he would chart it out first, then memorize. Yes, it. got you. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. uh, it's helpful, especially if you have a sub. Then you have right. the charts. You know, sub. Yeah. yeah. For someone who didn't really dream of coming here and doing all this, I think your life and career has been astonishing. Like, did oh. you ever think that this was how everything was going to turn out? Mm, no, and I still feel like, though, I'm not there yet mm -hmm. in the many ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't played with Stevie Wonder yet. Ah. And Michael Jackson, which I, who I've never been able to play for, right. but... Um, yeah, I feel like I need to climb up more, you know, but then I need to be smart too. I want to be able to sh share what I have learned. Mm -hmm. So I have to find yeah. a way to like, you know, doing the Zoom class for charting, mm -hmm. you know, I have to be clever about coming up with different output to, to sh share my knowledge yeah. to younger people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's literally why I wanted to do a podcast because mm -hmm. I'm too lazy to write a book. Nah. Now I can just well, this talk. can become a book. Exactly. Now you're documenting. So. Yeah. Lastly, I just want to say mm -hmm. the magic that happens when you find the people that when you play together and sometimes you want something, but you don't need to say anything and then. It's there. Mm -hmm. It could be the, the sim simple symbol goes shin. Yeah. But I don't have to ask, you know, like, and then when I hear that, I'm like, whoa, how did you know you, you <laughs> did it? Um, that happens a lot with, with, you know, my husband, Chad, and, mm. and with you, you know, like yeah. the, the feels and the riffs and the, when you dynamically go down, like you just... We don't need to really say mm -hmm. or ask, you know. I suggest these young people like to find like soul mate, but yeah. in a music yeah. band situation like that, and to make music with it's yeah. That's so interesting. That's, a, that's what I call Chad all the time. <laughs> He's oh. my my drum and bass soulmate, you know. Right. But you're you're on that list, like the four of us. I feel like, and we haven't played in so long, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I hope that the four of us, including Daryl, you know. But we sit there every week, so I mean, yeah. he comes to our house, and it'd be great to get a jam together and and record it and put it out on this podcast, you know. Oh that's yes, that's what uh, I'd really love to do. Okay, you know. So maybe I'll call up Daryl, see if he can come do the next week's show. And then we've all been on the show. You've all told your story. And then we'll get together at your place and celebrate the Temple Studio Complex and, and you know, and make I'll some music. And I'll edit the video, yeah. Sure. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. So, well, I really appreciate you coming on. Okay. This has been really awesome. And uh, it's always good to see you because we don't get to see each other. Not very much. Not yeah. as much as we want. So do you think that you'll be... Like when you say you have more stuff to do, would that would you be into going back on the road and and doing the like if Stevie Wonder did call and he's like I got a year tour now that Kai your son is kind of getting older is that something you would ever mm -hmm. want to do again year or? tour <laughs> oh, only because 
he's 13, he's going into the tender age. Yeah. Right now, he needs me to make a midnight snack. <laughs> I've been making, yesterday I made two bacon sandwiches wow. at 11.30 p.m. Right. And I'm like, who's going to make the sandwiches when I go? <laughs> <laughs> Noriko, he's 13. He can make a sandwich. That's what Chad said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like the cricket got in on the action again. Um, he's a nice cricket, but he, he's kind of a ham, so I apologize about that. I love the story about her coming into Tina Marie's rehearsal with everything charted out, and you can probably check out the live show on YouTube. Um, it was really intense. I actually auditioned for that gig and, and had to learn a bunch of tunes, and she said very nice things about my bass playing, for sure, but I, uh, I didn't get the gig. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, it was just another story about how doing your homework and going the extra mile really can pay off. You know, she um, did that gig for quite a long time. She also has a situation that that I kind of have in common when I go into into some gigs as well. Where she's people see her as this sweet, innocent Japanese girl, and then she starts playing and just blows their minds. You know, because she's really good. And uh, I, you know, sometimes I come across the same way. I'm a white guy from the suburbs, and no one expects me to to start playing R&B and, and doing it right. You know what I mean? Um, but I feel like it's been a really, for one, it's fun to f see people's faces change when you start to play and, and to kind of prove them wrong. But it's also cool because it leaves an impression. So I think it's in the long run, it's helped because, oh, that's the that's the white guy that, that plays really funky or that's the, the, the Japanese girl who can play anything and, and sings like a bird. Um, so uh, if you're out there don't feel insecure about yourself. You know what I mean? And, and uh, because ultimately it'll, it'll make you memorable. I mentioned Daryl Crooks and his, uh, his mantra of, I don't want all the chicken. I just want chicken all the time. And I think that was a really good lesson to learn when I got here. Cause it's, you know, it's sometimes it's better to be shooting for that steady income and just to keep life going and keeping out a comfortable thing and, and let the money come if it's going to come. Because if you're just shooting for that million dollar gig and you're turning down everything else, it, it may never happen or it may take 10 years before that happens. And, and, uh, you can, there's definitely a level of just steady income that, that you can achieve pretty, you know, pretty quickly when you come to a town the size of LA. The other thing that was really cool about the four of us at the time is I thought of us as like an alliance on, on Survivor, on the show Survivor, where we always had each other's backs. And if, if I needed a drummer, I would call Chad. If I needed a keyboard player, I'd call Noriko. If Noriko had a gig and they needed a bass player, she'd call me and, and Daryl in the mix. And it really helped us all stay afloat and... And we could also offer ourselves as a rhythm section or as a band to different artists. And whoever kind of got the gig would be the MD of the situation. And so when you're going into a new town and you're, you're, you're trying to network and stuff, I mean, that is something to kind of keep in mind is can you align yourself with some other players and put together a situation where everyone's looking for work and everyone's trying to keep everybody working. And of course, over time, we all kind of got bigger gigs or whatever. And um, Daryl was always playing big gigs, but we were, we were all, you know, eventually life and work separated us, but it really helped us get our careers going and it, and it lasted for, for quite a long time. 
The school that Noriko teaches at is AMDA, A-M-D-A, College of the Performing Arts in Los Angeles. And Ollie Woodson was with The Temptations from 84 to 86 and then 88 to 96. And that gig kicked my butt a little bit because um, of the singing and playing, because it was me and Noriko and Art Zamora covering all The Temptations stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm a singing bass player. Oh, yeah here's the temptations and cover all those singing parts and play all those bass lines. So it was quite a, a good experience and good for my playing. And Richard street was with the temps from 1971 to 93. And he was also a member of the distance, which was a group that Otis Williams was in before the temptations were a thing. And he sang lead on Papa was a rolling stone and masterpiece and a few others. And uh, that one, uh, Richard, a bunch of Grammys. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation today. I'm a star. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. Dreams.